Welcome to the English Out Loud podcast, a podcast where I give you tips on how you can enhance your spoken English. Today I'm coming out of vacation and I'm putting out another episode. This one I recorded just before my vacation with a buddy of mine, Daniel, who you can find on Instagram under the name Pronunciation and Fluency. Daniel is an accent coach from Mexico, and he brings a fresh new perspective to the table considering Spanish is his first language. And so he takes on an approach of reverse engineering his own accent in order to help you with yours. So don't miss a second of this here today because you want to make sure that you can get all the tips, particularly if Spanish is your first language or Arabic. There are many things of the muscle memory between Spanish and Arabic which are kind of relate to one another in various ways. So if these are some of your languages, make sure that you listen on it because Daniel gives a few great tips on how you can overcome some very common difficulties. So welcome on in, Mr. Daniel. Good to see you here today, buddy. How are you doing? I'm excellent. I'm very happy uh, because you invited me to the podcast. I always wanted to participate in one, and I'm very happy that this is going to be the first time that I do it. Perfect. Well, yeah, you'll get episode number 78 is going to be all yours of this one. So I hope it inspires you. I can see you've got a mic in the background. Do you record any of your own stuff at all? Yeah, I don't record any podcasts or anything like that, but I usually record like the exercises and the listening exercises for my students. Yeah, some heavy duty XLR kind of, you know, the professional level stuff you got there. It looks pretty good. Well, that's that's good to hear. And so tell me about yourself a little bit. I know you work with similar stuff to me, accent reduction, the American accent, teaching the American accent rather. And uh, well, how long have you been doing this in the first place? I've been teaching English for 11 years because I started very young. And then I started working on my pronunciation three years ago. And then I started uh, taking some courses on how to teach accent reduction and pronunciation and stuff. So as a student, I've been working on my my pronunciation for for three years. And as a teacher, I've been teaching this for one year and a half. Ah, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Go ahead. Yep. Yeah, sorry. I, I try to change the focus of my of, of my classes because I started to notice that a lot of courses are focused on grammar, mm. you know. And even though the grammar courses also contain some information about pronunciation and intonation and so on, it's like teachers just don't have enough time to go deeper into it because we need to cover a whole program and we need to do a lot of things. And I think that they should be like different uh, or separate classes, you know, mm. uh, we should have like something related to grammar. We should have something related to pronunciation. And I discovered that there's not a lot of uh, teachers that are actually teaching pronunciation and accent. So I was like, okay, that's uh, something that I can contribute to, to my people, you know? Oh, yeah, big time. And so for you, do you mostly work with Spanish speakers? Like are most of your students people from your area? Or, you know, do you get people from from other countries with other languages? No, right now, I only work with people from Mexico. So I have Mm -hmm. students that live in the same state. And I have some other students that they come from Monterrey, or they come from Mexico City, and so on. Right now, using Clubhouse, I've been 
uh, meeting new people, right? Like people from other nationalities. And then it's uh, really interesting because then you get to discover like what are the common substitutions that other people make. And then it's like even more challenging for you as a teacher because you are used to only working with people that have the same pronunciation issues that you had in the past. But then when you meet someone that is from, I don't know, from Thailand or someone who is from India, you discover that there are more things and that we need to design different strategies to be able to help them. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I used to have a similar thing um, working in, in Monterey in Mexico for myself and speaking Spanish. I learned how to do the Spanish T sound. I, that was one of my first sounds to learn. And then I came to think that anybody who was pronouncing a different T than I was, was pronouncing that Spanish, you know, kind of forward flexed T on the teeth there. And then I came to find that in other countries, for example, uh, speakers coming from India will often, yeah, they'll use totally different positions. And you're right, it's fascinating. You come to look at the the people that you meet and all this kind of stuff in a totally different way because now your ears are kind of open for these little intricate workings of the accent. Yeah, and something else is that you try to, when you're listening to them, something that I love to do is that try to imitate the same sound because when you start to imitate or to try to imitate the sound, like you just close your eyes and you try to figure out what they are doing with their mouth, with their tongue and everything. And then it's like, okay, this is the thing that you're doing. And it's like, oh, yes, that's the thing that I'm doing. So it's amazing because we have the chance to continue learning a lot from our students as well. Yeah, exactly. And then like you say, you learn something new and then you can just kind of adjust your materials, adjust your teaching style to accommodate people who have a similar difficulty. No, that's that's good. And so actually, I'm curious, in your opinion, what would you say are some of the top things that Spanish speakers struggle with when learning American English or the American accent? Okay, I think that we need to learn how to differentiate between some sounds that we tend to neutralize. First of all, I would talk about vowels. There are, I mean, in English, you have like 16 different vowel sounds. And in Spanish, we only have five vowel sounds. So everything that looks like an A, we try to pronounce it like an A in Spanish. Mm. And everything that looks like an O, we try to pronounce it like an O in Spanish. So we need to learn how to differentiate between those sounds that exist in English, but that do not exist in Spanish. Let's say, for example, the triplet of the A's, right? Like when we want to, when we see C-A-P, cap, we pronounce cap. But cap mm -hmm. in reality sounds very similar to cop, like police, right? So, mm -hmm. so those are uh, some of the most important points that I think that we need to pay attention to because they can also prevent us from embarrassing situations, you know? I would say, E that appears in the word beach, E that appears in the word bitch, the cap sound or, or the ass in apple that appears in the word cap. I might also say cop, like the ass in father that appears in the word cop and the cup sound, right? So I think that would be one thing that we need to pay attention to because we tend to neutralize those sounds. The other thing would be consonants, because, for example, in Spanish, we don't distinguish between a Z and an S, at least in Mexico and probably in some other regions of uh, of South America. Right. But we tend to pronounce the Z like an S. So we need to learn how to pronounce the difference. And it's actually simpler than than we think. Right. So if we just find the correct content, uh, we're going to be able to pronounce those differences. Other consonant sounds might be the V and the B, 
Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right? a trick. You, when I'm listening in Spanish, or actually rather when I'm reading in Spanish, I'll often read words and it'll be spelled with a V and I always pronounced it in my mind with a B because it's, <laughs> it's like indistinguishable. In Spanish, and yeah, that's totally one people uh, often stumble on. Absolutely. And, and then when we realize that the V is different from the B, hmm. we tend to replace it with an F. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's not getting <laughs> yeah. the voice to uh, to kind of carry it. Yeah. yeah. Yes, because we we don't have like those uh, different consonant sounds in which we need to activate our voice for some sounds, and we need to deactivate our voice for different sounds. So it's uh, totally different. And the last one would be the TH, the D, and the T. Oh, yeah. Those are tough. Because the D in Spanish is more like a voiced TH in English. Mm -hmm. And then if we don't place our tongue in the right position, when we try to pronounce a TH, for example, we can end up pronouncing a D or a T, mm -hmm. right? Like, like tink, tink. I was thinking about it or I was think, thinking about it. So it's like uh, we need to learn also the difference between some consonants that we tend to uh, neutralize. Yeah, yeah, that uh, this THs, I really dedicate a lot of time to that with students because it's like the word the, for example, it's the most commonly used word in English. Like it's, and it's with a voiced TH. And the trouble is that people, when they're pronouncing it like a duh, when they're getting that D sound, then it's just, because it's so frequently used, it kind of makes it sound, their speech sound a little jumpy. You know, makes people sound as though their speech is constantly going kind of up a little higher than we want it to, or with more plosives than we're used to hearing. And so do you have any tips on, on what people could do to maybe adjust whether it's vowels? Cause like you say, that's a big thing. Uh, in Spanish, they're not, there isn't so much movement with the vowels. It's more just strong sounds, but not so flowing in the same way. So what do you think can people do to start picking up on some of these things? First of all, we need to be able to perceive the sounds because if we don't know, if we cannot perceive the sounds or if we cannot understand the difference, then we are not going to be able to replicate the sounds. So first of all, like we should focus on one sound, like, like we should not focus on everything at the same time because then that's going to be useless, right? But okay, I can say, okay, today I want to focus on the Z. So I am going to start listening to some speakers. Uh, I can go to tedtalk.com and then I can find some good speakers in there or music or whatever. And then I can start paying attention to the words that this person pronounces with a Z. And then once I, I understand that there's a difference between a Z and an S, then I can start making a list of words that contain a Z. Right. I start mm -hmm. practicing with only words that contain a Z or with any other consonant uh, that I choose. And then I can start putting that together into some phrases and, and some sentences. And then probably I can have a text and I can find all the words that start or sorry, that contain a Z sound and, and like that. But I need to focus only on one specific thing. That's the mindset that we need to have. We cannot do everything at the same time. Mm. If we focus on one specific thing then we're going to see better results. Most certainly, because, well, there's something I heard before, a buddy of mine from Venezuela, and maybe you'd recognize this saying, he said, when you chase two rabbits, you have no dinner. Have you heard that one in Spanish before? 
I, I have not heard this in Spanish, but we also have something in Spanish that is very similar to that. And it's like, te quedas como el perro de las dos tortas. Like, you try yeah. to you try to get one thing, but at the same time you try to get another thing, and then you end up having nothing because like you were trying to be too ambitious more than you could actually be. <laughs> okay, and sometimes you know, sometimes yeah, you got to take a little risk. You want to double your money, but at the same time, it's that's it. It's risk. And but anyway, that's the point. Is we don't we're not here to risk our accents. We're here to uh, to focus and to see steady improvement in it. So. Absolutely. Like you say, starting with the S sound, you know, and that's that goes for people beyond definitely Spanish speakers and people who speak, you know, many languages won't have a Z sound used in the same way as how we do in English. Because also beyond the actual spelling of Z, we sometimes even pronounce it at the endings of words. Or sometimes if you pronounce a word with a Z instead of an S, it changes the meaning, such as use or use. Subtle exactly. differences. I have a feeling that you posted something about that on Instagram the other day. Use and use. <laughs> Maybe you. Oh, okay, it was you. Yeah, okay. Because that's where I think I saw that. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or eyes and eyes. Yes. Right? <laughs> exactly. And so, yeah, yeah. Voicing those sounds and letting it flow out like that. Most certainly. That's something that um, people all over the world can just keep on picking up with. Good. Yeah. Something else that I've noticed is that in Spanish, we don't gesticulate a lot. When I, when I first started working on my accent, I discovered that in order to pronounce English better, like we needed to gesticulate more, we needed to open more our mouth. And actually, that's a practice that we should, uh, that we should also incorporate in, in Spanish, right? For example, when it comes to the R's. Right. A lot of people, when they pronounce the R, I mean, there are people that need to round their lips a little bit more in order to sound clearer. Right. Mm. But there are some other people that need to do like that additional effort in order to to sound better. And something that I always say to my students is like, okay, imagine that you have a mask on your face and that is like your Spanish mask. So when you switch to English, you need to take that mask off. And then you need to start opening more your mouth. The sounds are going to be better. You are going to look more confident. And it is also going to help you have a different rhythm or a different pace when you are speaking, right? Because when you gesticulate a little bit more, everything comes out better, right? We can see this in sounds like, for example, the R, or when we try to pronounce some vowels, that we need to open more. We need to be a little bit more expressive, and that definitely helps us a lot. So that would be another tip that I would give. Yeah, that is a good one. And I wanted to ask as well, have you learned any any other languages other than English? Because obviously you've dedicated a lot of time to your English. Have you uh, studied any others? Yes, I've studied French. I can speak mm -hmm. French uh, just a little bit, but it's like enough for me to go to France on vacation and interact with people like survive, you know? I wish that I had more time to study more French because I also try to apply the same tricks that I share with my students, right? Like mm. I always tell them things like you need to get out of your comfort zone and you need to feel vulnerable because that is going to be like your real test. And mm -hmm. every time that I see like a room um, on Clubhouse and they are uh, practicing French, I always try to jump in. Right. Mm -hmm. And to say something, I know that I'm going to make mistakes, but I try to participate because I know that I'm going to learn a lot from that session. I've studied French like six months. I stop and then I study again 
and then I stop like that, you know? Yeah. But it's always good. I, I like it. And the most, uh, or the thing that I like the most about it is that when I need to use it, like in real life, it's like, wow, I, I know more than I actually think. And this is also another thing that I like to share with my students. Like sometimes we think that our level of English is poor or is very low. But it's like, come on, like, you know more than you actually think. I think it's common to underestimate your language abilities in any second, third, fourth language that you speak. Yeah, I do the same with my Spanish. And I mean, I've never actually taken a Spanish class. I just learned from being in Monterey and asking, como se dice, como se dice for everything. Just how do you say this? How do you say that? And people would tell me because people are happy to help. And uh, Spanish is pretty good now. It's not half bad. but If I go to a party and there's, you know, a conversation of four people going on and all these things going on in the background and music and everything, I have such a hard time following the conversation. And I, I always leave the party feeling like I, I don't know any Spanish whatsoever. Like I, I only spoke to a couple people the whole night, but the fact is that that's an intense circumstance. There's a lot going on in a party. But then if I were to immediately after that go and, you know, give my mother-in-law a call or go over to just one friend's house, so I could speak in Spanish with them all night. So, yeah, often we'll have an experience which really makes us doubt ourselves. Like our minds are so powerful at, at pulling us down. But you got to know yourself and you got to know what your language skills are. And just because something's challenging doesn't mean that you're not good at it. And, and We also need to understand that there are good days and there are bad days. Sometimes I just finish one class and it's like, my English was not very good today. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And the same thing happens in Spanish. I mean, obviously, Spanish is my first language. And there are some days in which I feel, oh, today I spoke very well mm -hmm. uh, in a meeting or I was having a conversation with someone and I, was, and I can say it like, hey, today I expressed myself in Spanish very well. Like I, today my Spanish skills and my English skills were different. So mm -hmm. sometimes there are going to be good days. Sometimes you're going to feel that your English or your Spanish or whatever you're trying to learn is better than other days. And we need to be happy that probably we're going to make mistakes. But at the end of the day, mistakes are not so relevant. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we can get our idea through and, and if uh, the other person understands, that's the most important thing. We don't need to be perfect. I mean, as a Spanish speaker, sometimes I can tell you that I also commit mistakes. And accidentally, I can say something like Aiga instead of Aya. And, and mm. even though a lot of people might, might uh, make fun of that, I know that this is something that happens. But at the end, it's like, who cares? You understood mm -hmm. my message, right? And that's the point of languages to communicate. Yeah, whether you're making friends or buying something at 7-Eleven or, or taking a taxi, it's just if you've got enough to get your message across, then keep going, you know, just keep on going from there. Don't feel that you've let yourself down because it wasn't perfect because it takes a lot to get yourself to say words in a second or third language in the first place. So Very good advice and, and very motivational thoughts that you have regarding language. I, I think that's great. Do, do you have any closing words, any tips or, or pearls of wisdom that you'd like to offer uh, my listeners here before we wrap things up today? I would say that we don't need to be so perfectionists, mm. right? Um, 
there are a lot of students that say that, hey, I need to, in order to be able to say that I have a very good level of English, I need to speak like an American. And I need to, uh, sometimes we are so concentrated on this thing of uh, sounding like 100% American. But I think that the main focus of accent coaching is not to sound 100% American, because also we're going to be like losing our personality or like our... Yeah, who who we are, right? Um, but I think that something that I love about accent training is that we need to try to discover the best version of our English. We need to try to sound clear. We need to try to sound confident so that a lot of people can understand, right? Like neutralizing our accent is good because that is going to help us sound clear. But if we set the bar too high and say like, I need to sound like 100% American, uh, that's a little bit ambitious and it can be demotivating also, right? Because not everybody needs to do or needs to arrive to that level, right? So that mm. would be one thing. And the other thing that I would recommend everyone is like, when we try to speak too fast, it's a little bit more risky. So it happens to me all the time. And I always need to be reminding to myself things like, hey, slow down, because I get too excited. And then it's like, ah, and I try to say everything very fast. Mm. But sometimes if we just like uh, speak a little bit more slowly, it's better, right? We mm. even have more time to continue thinking about uh, grammar structure that we might be struggling with, or we can be a little bit more concentrated on the sounds. And it's just going to be easier for the other person to understand everything that we want to share, right? So that would be another thing. And I think that we should always think, or we should always keep this in mind, that we know more than we actually think. And we always know a lot of things and and we need to trust the work that we've done before. Oh, yeah, 100%. You've got to trust in yourself. Trust in yourself and, and just take a deep breath and just tell yourself, I know this. I know what I'm doing. I know how to speak this language and just let it out. Whether it sounds perfect or not doesn't matter, but just use what you got, most certainly. And I like the one point that you made as well about... Because when I interviewed Bianca uh, just last week or the week before, and she made a similar point as well, and, and I like the way that she put it too. She said, uh, if you ask somebody, you know, what's your goal? And they say, well, I want to sound like an American. That's not a goal. That's a wish. You know, that's just wishful thinking. Because sure, it can be a goal, but you can't really just, you can't measure that goal. You know, you can't really put a time on that goal. You, it's, it isn't quantifiable. But when you break things down into small tasks, you say to yourself, I'm going to identify Z sounds. And then another week or another month, you say, I'm going to identify TH sounds and, and schwas and this and that. And, and you say, I'm going to double my vowel sound vocabulary because I've got to learn all these other English vowel sounds now. And when you start to take things like that, it is a very slow, you know, moving kind of beast. It, it isn't a, an overnight thing, but that's how the results come about. We've taken one little step at a time like that. So great advice that you give there. Most certainly. So, yeah, we'll get to wrapping this one up for today. Thank you very much for your time, Mr. Daniel. And I'm looking forward to working together on some more stuff in the future. 